0: Welcome to episode 38 of Crack the Customer Code. Adam, is today the first day of the rest of our lives? It is the first day of the rest of our podcast life. Because today we have a full episode with an interview from one of the greats, Bob Berg. So we are launching our twice weekly format today with a truly fantastic guest. But first, why don't we hear a word from our sponsors, Jeannie? Great
1: idea. Great idea. We all know that customer experience is hot, but are you taking advantage of its huge potential to make your services business more prominent and profitable? Join Service Strategies for an informative customer experience workshop in San Diego on October 27th. You'll learn how to create customer success while generating profitable revenue for your services business. The workshop is part of the Service Industry Summit event which brings together leaders from companies like Cisco, Dell, and others to discuss the challenges of a changing service landscape. Visit servicestrategies.com to learn more.
0: And hey, don't let Service Strategies have all the fun. You too can sponsor our podcast. If you want to reach business leaders or CX professionals, sponsoring our podcast is a great way. Go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for full details. Now, Jeannie?
1: Yes, Adam? is this the first
0: day of the rest of our lives?
1: <laughs> it's the first day of the rest of our podcast life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is our first solo interview episode. So I'm very excited. We did our, our last episode. We talked all about the transition to two a week here. Mm-hmm. And now this is the first one of our two a weeks, And we have Bob Berg.
1: I cannot think of a better guest to kick off the interview part of this new format because Bob Berg is amazing. He's Sought after speaker. He's written tons of books. He's really known for the go giver idea, which is about really being generous with value in sales.
0: Well, you're sort of a go giver.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I like to think I am, but I think I have a long way to go. <laughs> and give.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and give. And much to give. No, I mean I love his idea of the go giver, and I like the idea how he approaches the idea of sales. And that's really interesting. And I think the listeners are gonna be fascinated by that. He basically says you cannot make a sale, Mm -hmm. which is a controversial topic. and It's a different viewpoint, and I thought that was really neat.
1: Yeah, I think he's got a, a lot of great things to say that anyone can learn from, not just in sales, but can apply what he talks about throughout the customer journey. So why don't we listen in to our interview with Bob?
0: Yeah, let's go give our
2: interview to our listeners.
1: Bob Berg, welcome to Crack the Customer Code. We're so happy you're here.
2: Well, Jeannie and Adam, it is a pleasure and an honor to be with you.
1: Well, I am thrilled to have a chance to talk to you because I've certainly been a fan of The Go-Giver for a long time and everything that you do. Um, And I think a lot of people hear that title, The Go-Giver, and it seems to contradict traditional wisdom, especially about go-getters. Is that intentional?
2: Well, it actually is in, in terms of, of having a title that's going to be a, a bit of a, as we'd say in marketing, a pattern interrupt. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> he said it's, it's sort of counterintuitive when, when someone first uh, sees it, right? Mm-hmm. And so like the, like the headline of a sales letter, you want the title to attract people. Uh, and at the same time, of course, the message has to be congruent with that. So we we certainly hope it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, John David Mann, my my awesome co-author and the really the lead storyteller, he's a fantastic writer. Uh, we we wanted to come up with a title that would that would do that and and get the point across that we wanted. It's interesting you bring up about go giver a uh, go getter because while it seems, uh, and in a sense, the title is is um, sort of put against that if you will mm-hmm. we don't consider a go-giver to be the opposite of a go-getter uh and this is always fun when when we get asked this too because we love go-getters because uh, well you know you know everyone listening to this we're all business people we know that that it's not enough to just have a great idea a, a, a terrific thought or or what have you or or even great intent you have to actually go do something. And so (laughs) go-getters are people of action. We like Mm -hmm. go-getters. Now, the the neat thing is that uh, there's there's no natural division between a go-getter and a go-giver. Many go-getters are also go-givers, and every go-giver we would like to think is a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is really a Mm go-taker. And, you know, Jeannie, that's that person who feels almost entitled if you will to take 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 uh you know that's their focus as opposed to looking at how they can provide value to to others and mm-hmm. so the the go takers tend to be very frustrated because they rarely attain the kind of success they think they deserve and even those times they they do cuz they do sometimes certainly uh it tends to be not long lasting because it hasn't really been built on a solid foundation so When we say go giver, when we use the term, if you will, go giver, uh, we're really talking about that person, that man or woman who has learned or perhaps is already, you know, already knew that it's that person who can who can shift their focus, who can move from an I focus or me focus and and have an other focus and not not another, but an other (laughs) too quick together. And always looking for ways to provide value to others. And that's the person who accomplishes the most.
1: Well, and I think one of the things that resonated with me about this book is I've been accused in my life of being too nice as a business person. (laughs) And I also have sometimes found myself in situations where I'm getting advice to be a little bit more of a go taker than I'm comfortable with, because it's not something that thankfully (laughs) comes naturally to me. And so do you think that the premise of the go giver is just kind of a a different way of saying nice people finish first and is that a little naive?
2: Well, it, it it would be naive, absolutely. And and no that's that's not really the the premise of it or the or even the moral of the story. You know, mm-hmm. nice guys, nice gals, nice people finish first. They do, they can, they should, but they don't necessarily just because they're nice. Um in fact, I would say this when you say about being too nice. Uh, what I often say is, is, you know, if you're finding yourself being taken, if you find that you're a nice person who finds yourself being taken advantage of, it's not because you're a nice person. Mm-hmm. It's because you're doing things in such a way that you allow yourself to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, what I'm saying is, and this isn't a personal slight toward you, of course, I'm just saying about it with anyone, uh, being nice and being weak or taken advantage of or naive, uh, th- there's no correlation between the two. There's no natural correlation between the two. Uh, you should be nice, because nice is a good way to be. It's also, by the way, very helpful in business to be nice. Uh, I think most people would rather do business with someone who's nice rather than someone who's nasty. <laughs> but being nice certainly doesn't mean you should ever, ever put yourself in a position where you're taking uh, advantage of. There's just, uh, uh, there, there's nothing. And, and being... A go taker also isn't the opposite of being nice because that would the premise there would be that being nice is someone who just allows themselves to be taken advantage of. So so no, being a go taker is really not a good business strategy, because do people really want to do business with go takers? I mean, uh, you know, I've often said to people, uh, you know, if if someone is uh is uh, let's say you're a, a prospective customer for someone
1: mm-hmm. and they're
2: doing the sales presentation. OK, you're the prospect. They're the presenter. Um, are, you know, and let's say you can tell that this person is absolutely focused on the sale. They're focused on themselves. They're focused on the commission. They, you know, might be asking you probing questions so they can figure out how to sell you better, but they're not really interested in helping you. They're interested in themselves. Are you more likely or less likely to buy from someone like that? And Mm -hmm. I think most people would say less likely.
1: Well, it's why we all flock to uh, buy a car, right? Because (laughs) that experience is so lovely for the customer. (laughs) Right. And and yet
2: when you find exactly and yet when you find a car sales professional who is focused on you Mm -hmm. and focused on what you want and when they ask you questions and you answer, they listen not to come up with some clothes. But in order just to listen and learn and determine what it is you want, what you need, what you desire, uh, and you can tell that, that yes, they're going to make a commission. They're supposed to. They're in sales. They should. We all should. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that that's not their focus. Their focus is on providing value to you. And then I would say, are you more likely or less likely to want to buy from that person? And. I think most of us would say more likely. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's why we say that that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must come first. And that only happens when the focus is on the right place, the customer. The value comes first and the money you receive is simply a very natural and very direct result of that value you've provided.
0: And that's a great point because, you know, that's the old uh, Warren Buffett comment. You know, Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. Right. And when the customer gets home and feels the value doesn't live up to what they paid, you know, there's a disconnect there. That's a bad experience for them. And I know you've got your five laws of stratospheric success from the book, and law number one is right on cue here, the law of value. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that and tell us about some of the other laws. I know there's law of compensation, influence, authenticity, et cetera.
2: Yeah, and Adam, I was going to say you, that that does really uh, it, it it comes together well when you say about somebody feeling like they receive more than they paid for because the the law of value says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, this sounds a bit counterintuitive when you first hear it because it sounds like we're saying you shouldn't make a profit, right? Give more in value <laughs> yeah. than I take in payment. How am I supposed to stay in business? You know. Uh, no, it, 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 it's, what we have to understand here is the difference between price and value. Uh, I would define it this way. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's, uh, it's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you that brings so much worth or value to it that that person, that customer who goes home at the end of the day feels absolutely great about it while you make a very healthy profit. Mm-hmm. And we could use a number of examples in the book. We talk about the uh Ernesto who has a very uh, high-end, high-priced restaurant in a swanky part of, of the city. And when you have a di- when you have dinner at, at Ernesto I- Iafrate's Italian Cafe, uh, you're paying a lot of money. But, but what value do you receive in return? Well, first of all, the food's exquisite, and it's fantastic. But more than that, because a lot of places have great food. It's the way you're treated when you're there, from the moment you walk in the door. Uh, From when uh, Sal greets you and seats you and to the when the wait person comes over to the ambiance and the atmosphere and the whole general experience, the dining experience you have. Hey, you may have paid a couple hundred bucks for the meal, but you come away feeling like a million bucks. You got more in value than what you paid. And Ernesto makes a very healthy profit because obviously the food cost him a lot, less. the, the food and the other operating costs. Are, are less than what he charges for the food. So everyone wins. In fact, the, the, the marking of a free enterprise-based exchange, and when I say that, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else. Be, be, both people are doing business because they choose to. Uh, the, the, the actual um, mark of a free market-based exchange is that both parties come away from the transaction significantly better off than they were before the transaction.
0: Right. It's it's interesting. It's so you, you make that great point about you can still be profitable and give extra because one thing about value is it's relative. Mm. So that, that experience that that restaurant gave is being compared to another restaurant that charges the same price, but didn't give nearly that experience,
2: right? It, exactly. So now we take it because when we talk about cracking the customer code, so let's take how we actually do that in this case. Well, we focus on what the customer feels is of value, not what we feel is of value. In other words, value, and and you made a great point uh, that it's relative, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. (laughs) It's not what we find is valuable or what we think is valuable. It's not that, you know, whether we enjoy the fettuccine Alfredo and think it's the best dish in the restaurant isn't the point. Uh, and, it, and whether we're selling copying machines or graphic design service or financial services or real estate or what have you, what we need to do is focus on the customer and, and ask questions in order to determine what it is that they need, what they want, what they desire.
1: And I think a theme that I've certainly heard from you is that, and you I think you even say, you can't actually make a sale. There's nothing that, like <laughs> right. you can't actually force a sale. and. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you can talk more about that idea, because you mentioned just now that, you know, we can't force anybody to do anything. So how well, how do we do this?
2: Yeah, that and that's the point. And John and I, you know, we get we get a lot of grief from that. because What do you mean you can't make a sale? <laughs> Sales are made every day. And the, the reason we say this is it goes back again when we're talking about a free market that that nobody's forced to buy from you. So you can't actually make a sale because you can't make them do anything they don't want to do. What you can do is you can create the environment where uh, that person, based on what we talk about in law three, the law of influence, where that person feels so good about you. They know you. They like you. They trust you. They feel good about you. They trust your judgment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what you can do is you can't make the sale, but you can create the environment where that person chooses to buy and you're there to receive the sale. Now, the, the, yes, you know, people will say, well, isn't that just semantics? And actually, yes, it is absolutely semantics. But you know, sometimes semantics are important, uh, not, not only in what we tell other people about what we do, but in what we tell ourselves about what we do. Because when you, when you really think about it, if you believe that your job is to go out there and make the sale, then it's all about you. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you feel your job is to create the environment where that person, based on their own self-interest, chooses to buy, well, then your focus is on the customer. And that's exactly uh, where it should be. You know, uh, one of the things that I I'll often say when I speak at a sales conference, it's one of the first (laughs) things I'll say is nobody's going to buy from you. Because you have a quota to meet. <laughs> and we all laugh because we know that's true. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to buy from you even because we need the sale or we want them to buy or even because we think they really should buy and it would be great for them. No, they're going to buy or not buy based on how they uh, see it as working out for them. And then that's fine. That's That's the way it absolutely should be.
0: No, absolutely. And I love the idea of sort of transformational language, you know, saying challenges instead of problems and things like that. So, you know, your, your title is pretty much based on a transformational language hack here, go giver. (laughs) So do people ever get confused about what being a go giver really means?
2: There are two answers to that, and both are yes. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> one is is the people who've never read the book, but they hear the title. They assume the Go Giver must be about just giving things away, which of, of course it's not. Go Givers don't give things away. It doesn't mean you don't give information away, or that you don't have, you know. You, of course, you do as as part of what you're doing. But when it comes to a product or service, no, Go Givers make a great profit. In fact, Go Givers tend to be on the higher end of uh of of the pricing. Because they're not selling on price, they're selling on value, and so that I think surprises people when they when they see the title "Go Giver." That you know uh, that a lot of what we talk about is don't sell on that, uh, on price. You know when you sell on low price, when you sell on price, you're a commodity. When you sell on value, you're a resource. So what we want to do is not try to play that low price game, which is a, a losing proposition for everyone, including the customer who ends up not being serviced properly because the, the person who has the sale can't really afford the sale, right? But uh we want people to be able to sell on, on being able to communicate their value and the value of their product or service. So I think that that's one thing that, that people, but then even after people read the book, I think sometimes because as human beings, we all come at the world from our own unique viewpoints and belief systems. It's sometimes hard to, to reconcile different things you hear. For for example, one of the things John uh, and I say in the, well, we we have our, our characters in the book talk about the old, you know, it's better to give than it is to receive. And what Pindar says to Joe is you, you can't, you, it's not better. It's almost insane to try and give and not receive. Okay. So we sort of take that, that whole paradox and we, we, uh, or that whole premise and we turn it around. So we, we, totally don't say it's better to give than to receive. We say it's impossible to to try and give and not receive because every giving is based on it somehow being a receiving and vice versa. And I can't tell you how many times we'll get reviews on Amazon.com and really nice, nice reviews. But it will say something like, you know, Bergen man make the point eloquently that as the saying goes, it's better to give than it is to receive, <laughs> you know. So I, I think what happens is, you know, it's they're seeing the world through that that uh, that lens. And then that's OK because it is what it is. But uh, but, yeah, I think because of, or someone might think, well, a go giver can never say no to somebody or they're not a go giver. And of course, that's malarkey. A go giver tends to be very busy. So they have to say no. Mm-hmm. But what a go giver <laughs> does. And here's the key. What a go-giver does when they have to say no to someone, they will always do it in a kind, respectful way in which that other person feels valued because they know they are valued.
1: I like that a lot. And one of the things that you carry through is this idea that, you know, if we're providing the value for the people that we're essentially serving, they will be people that not only trust us, but then refer to other folks. And you've written a book called Endless Referrals. And your latest book is Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion, which I love. And so I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about this newest book and and some of the messages in it?
2: Sure. Really, this this book, and it just came out in paperback after being out for a year and a half, so we're really excited about that. Uh, it's really about people skills in a sense. It's understanding that you can have all the talent in the world and you can have great technical skills and you can be hardworking and energetic and charitable and thoughtful and wonderful and fantastic. But unless you're able to influence others, uh, you know, to, to be able to to genuinely and ethically and be able to to move people to uh, to a certain action you're really not going to ever be able to achieve the kind of level of success that you'd like. Uh, we see this all the time with people who have so much going for them, and yet they're just not able to get buy-in into their ideas from people. So in the book itself, we're really talking about whether it's you know dealing with difficult people that you come across every day, or whether it's in the uh, whether it's just uh, you know dealing with teams or being able to communicate better, being able to communicate more effectively, taking a a, a, a difficult situation and turning it into a win for everyone—that's really what it's about. And we do this through five principles, which are. Number one, you need to be able to control your own emotions. Number two is understand the clash of belief systems. Again, understanding we all come at the world from a different viewpoint that pretty much is set in stone for most people by the time they're, they're, uh, they're a little more than toddlers and it's unconscious. Uh, we need to be able to number three, acknowledge the other person's ego. Number four, set the proper frame for any transaction or relationship. And number five, be able to communicate with tact and empathy. What I call ultimate influence, because we talk about the five, if we say influence is the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal, ultimate influence is the ability to work with people in such a way that you attain the results you want while helping them feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation and about you. And the people who can do this consistently, these are the people who have just huge, huge success.
0: That is the ultimate ending. Very good. I think we will just call it right there. You have been wonderful. You have so many books and so many ideas. We could talk to you for probably a few hours. (laughs) but We really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this with us. So tell us where on the internet can folks find you?
2: Probably the best thing to do would just uh, be to go to com. And while they're there, they can subscribe to my influence and success insights, which will get them some very, very value-based special reports, as well as chapter one of several of my books, including the Go Giver, Go Giver Sell More, and Adversaries into Allies. They can connect with me in all the various social media. Pretty much everything's right on the the same uh, uh, home page. So we, we try to make it easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
1: And I'll give you a shout out for Twitter because you're really good on Twitter as well, Bob. Uh, so. Thank, thank you. you. Well, this was fantastic and I can't wait to it makes me want to go back and reread some of the things that I've already read and and jump into uh, the latest. So, thank you again for sharing this with us and keep on go giving, I guess.
2: <laughs> uh, well, my pleasure. Yeah, I wish you both the best of success. Keep up all the great work.
1: Thank you. No, th- have a, thank you, Bob. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay, we hope you enjoyed this
0: episode of Crack the Customer Code. Head on over to www.crackthecustomercode.com for all our shows and show notes.
1: And as always, we'd love your feedback. Drop us an email at thecustomercode at gmail.com or give us a call at 470-223-CODE. And let us know what you like, what we could improve on, or who you'd like us to invite as a guest.
0: And of course, please subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, we'd love your
1: comments and a review. I'm Jeannie Walters. Read my blog, sign up for webinars, and connect with me at 360connects.com or CW on Twitter. And
0: I'm Adam Taborik, and you can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.